Welcome to the Park Road Talk Back Podcast. Today's podcast is a conversation with Russ Dean, co-pastor at Park Road Baptist Church with Amy Jacks Dean, about his book, Finding a New Way Home, The Unlikely Path of a Reluctant Baptist Renegade. I'm Bruce Holliday, Director of Communications at Park Road, and today Russ and I will be talking about Chapter 7 of his book entitled, A New Devotion. Never forget the importance of disciplined thinking. Hello, Russ. It's good to be back with you again today. Good afternoon. Sort of headed in uh, down the home stretch here, chapter seven. We are. We're we're closing in on it. I've enjoyed all of these conversations. Thank you. So we continue to work our way through your book, chapter by chapter. And today's uh, chapter, can you tell us a little bit about the subject and the inspiration? Yeah, um, Amy and I were at Southern Seminaries, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, We went in 88. We were there uh, for for three years. Um, And one of our favorite professors was Dr. Molly uh, Marshall. Um, And uh, she was a theology professor. Um, She was wonderfully intellectual, but also uh, just a really amazing communicator. And she connected with her students so well. So there was a, a, a deeply academic side to Molly, but also a deeply personal side to Molly. And we just kind of fell in love with her like, like a lot of people did. And so when we were ordained, we left, we left seminary actually before we finished school, uh, moved to South Carolina to take jobs at First Baptist Church in Clemson, um, did a year's worth of uh, seminary at a small seminary in South Carolina, uh, but still went back and graduated from Southern Seminary and, and had been in touch with Molly kind of throughout our seminary years. So when uh, First Baptist in Clemson wanted to ordain Amy and me, we invited Molly to come preach the ordination sermon. And in that service, there was a uh, the traditional laying on of hands. So the candidate uh, kneels in front of the church and folks come forward and, you know, offer a prayer or a good word, you know, some some challenging uh, comment. Um, usually put their hands on your shoulders or on your head. And so um, when Molly came forward in the laying on of hands, she knelt down in front of me and she looked me in the eye. She took both of my hands and she said, Russ, never forget the importance of disciplined thinking. And those words just kind of, uh, seared themselves into my brain. And, uh, you know, when I got ready to write this book, it was obvious those, that was, that was going to be one of the chapters, you know, um, I don't, for, I guess because of who Molly was and because I had such deep respect for her and that she had come and, and, and been part of this service for us, that was so important to us. And then in that moment of affirmation, her, her word of affirmation for me in the laying on of hands was never forget the importance of disciplined thinking. And so I think it said something to me about I guess she thought I could do discipline thinking, you know, that was kind of an affirmation. So it was an affirmation, but also a challenge as you go into, you know, this work of ministry, don't leave thinking behind. So is that something that you think you had a a predisposition towards already, or was that an experience that kind of led you in a different direction? I was never a great student. I mean, I was a good student throughout throughout all of my education, but I mean, I was never, you know, deeply ac- academic. Um, and uh, I, I think as I have progressed through school, more and more, I've been interested in that. And, um, you know, through my college years, I got more and more interested in disciplined thinking. And then 
you, you know, through three years of seminary, more and more interested. And then I went on and did a, did a doctorate. And, you know, I, so I think that has continued to sort of grow and build in me. But uh, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a bookworm and I, I did not and still, you know, don't spend a lot of my time reading. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little too active for that. And um, so I do think that Molly's challenge um, hit me hit me at the right time and, and, and well to say, you know, now that you're basically finished with school or finishing up with school, you know, don't forget, don't, don't forget to, to keep the discipline of, of thinking with you. And that's really, uh, so I've, right. I've taken that into my ministry and especially, I guess, with being a pastor and writing sermons and preparing Bible studies and, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, it's been, been very important. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does uh, her challenge, how has that manifested itself in your work as a pastor through the years? I, I don't know that, that that Amy and I spend more time preparing sermons than other people do. I, I, and and I, I don't want anything in this in this conversation to sound like I think I'm, you know, really smart or anything like that. I, I never have considered myself, you know, an intellectual. Um, I, Can I just interrupt uh, you for a moment and, and tell sure. people that, yes, in fact, he is really smart. He just doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> I, 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 thank you for that, Bruce. I really, yes. have, I really have not ever considered myself an intellectual. Um, um, but I think that Molly's words have just have been the right kind of nudge that I've never been able to take the preaching experience um, lightly. I don't ever want to waste people's time when they come to um, my church. And whether they agree with what I say or not, I want them to know that I have read and studied um, and uh, I, I, I want them to be able to hear that. And, you know, I want to quote people that they need to hear from. And, you know, occasionally I, you know, quote a poem. And um, my, my language is sometimes not the easiest. And I think people kind of have to work. And um, I, I just I want them to know that I'm taking this enterprise very seriously. And so I don't say that we work any harder at preaching than anybody else, um, but I, I do take very seriously the the kind of academic side. I want to, I, I always read the commentaries. I always read what other people say, um, and I want to to give some credit and and give some quotations along the way to make sure people understand that I'm I'm still trying to be grounded in a in in a solid biblical. Um, academic right. understanding right. and then try to find some way to bring it you know bring it to the people. Yeah, as, as I read the chapter I didn't I didn't get the sense that you were talking about working harder or doing more than others but just it was a stylistic difference in a, in yeah. a lot of ways and in, in how you approached. And you 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 talk in the chapter about wanting to avoid what you called um, chicken soup for the spiritual soul or um, something referred to as sweet Jesus sermons. What What is that style, and, and how is it different from what, what you like to do? Um, that sweet Jesus sermon, that actually comes from Dr. Frank Tupper, um, who last week we talked about Dr. Tupper and his statement, God always does everything God can do. Uh, apparently, Frank was in Charlotte years ago, um, and he uh, was at another church, and um, he 
didn't appreciate kind of the depth of the the message, and it felt a little too kind of fluffy, um, I guess. And um, he came out and he said something to the pastor, who is who is an academic, um, and he said something to the pastor about that. Well, that was a nice, sweet Jesus sermon, and it was a kind of <laughs> sarcastic comment. And the pastor apparently came back at him and said something like, "Well, Frank, I wasn't preaching to you today." Um, and so that was an interesting exchange. That I, that I remember, but um, y- you know, um, I don't, I don't want sermons to just, to just um, be preach easy m- messages. And um, I think I've mentioned this maybe, Bruce, in one of our conversations. We have friends that go to a, a big contemporary church in town, and they said, "Oh, we just love to go because we just, we just feel good every time when we leave." And I right. just. I just thought, you know, I'm just not really sure that's what it's about. Now, I don't want people to feel bad, you know, coming to church. But the lasting thing that I want for for people in listening to my sermons isn't, oh, I just feel good. I, I want people to be challenged about what they think and how they live and how they act. And are we following the Jesus way or not? And um so that's what I mean by kind of chicken soup. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of it's easy for for pastors to kind of um, highlight the the biblical text that they love and kind of stay in their own favorites all the time and kind of, you know, preach their own soapboxes. And, you know, one reason that Amy and I stay in the lectionary, which is a three year cycle of text, is that. I don't get to just pick my own text. You know, I'm trying to let somebody else kind of pick it for me and guide me. And that can be a challenge because, um, you know, those texts aren't always what I think I might have chosen. And especially if we're trying to keep sermons contemporary, what's happening in the world today. And then I'm using a text from the lectionary that someone else has, you know, has chosen. Um, and so you have to kind of work hard at, at that. And so that is really, I think the lectionary method of preaching has really kept things fresh for us as we have tried to <clears throat> look at those texts and then, and then figure out what, you know, what they have to say rather than I'm going to choose, you know, one of my favorites for today, you know. Right, and I think anyone that's listened to any of your sermons or any number of your sermons would uh, would readily admit that you're you're the kind of person who's not afraid to challenge people to think hard and to challenge people to take on complex issues, maybe in the Bible or otherwise. And and how has that been received during the course of your career? Do you think people are generally appreciative of that approach? I, I think. I think generally, I think this church has kind of a history of that, and that goes goes way back, you know, almost to the beginning. Um, we could talk about that story, but I'll, I'll skip that for now. But there, there's a long history um, of this church, I think, of that kind of challenging preaching. And yet, I also know that uh, it's not uniformly appreciated, and I've, I've, I've had people criticize the way I preach and um I remember one day um, somebody um, telling Amy, you know, I just don't want to have to work that hard when I come to church. (laughs) Um, And I I do understand that. And I understand that people sitting in the pews work, you know, full-time jobs and, you know, they got families and lives and everything else going. They don't want to have to come and sit and, you know, think hard. I, I, I understand that. But I really wrestle, Bruce, because... 
I think the Bible is hard. I think it deals with hard issues. I think it deals with real life issues. I think it deals with existentialism and the things that are really important to people. And, um, you know, these are the, the questions. Um, these are age old questions. And so I, I think the Bible is hard. And I think if we dumb it down enough that people don't have to work much, I think you can really actually miss the message. Um, and so I, I, I do kind of struggle with that. How do you make something that's difficult easy enough that people can hear it and yet hard enough that it that it keeps the it, it keeps the edge? And we were talking before we came on the air. Uh, this, as I, as I told you then, it, it feels like this chapter was written for uh, for me, the comms director at Park Road, because I'm always trying to find ways to simplify the message and make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Uh, and and you and I have kind of gone back and forth about which way is is the right way. And and I'm just here to admit publicly that I'm starting to come around to your point of view that we should challenge people. And I do I, I do think about this a lot, Bruce, because I mean, there's a way that I like to. Um, um, in my doctoral uh, work, I, I was in a small uh, group group of uh, students, and we talked, and we had to preach in some exercise we were doing. We preached for each other, and someone said, "You know, Russ, you have a high literary style. Um, your language is put together very carefully, and um, it, it's very beautiful, and it it flows. And you use some, you know, words that are, you know, not everybody understands. And 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 we talked about it, and I said, "Do I need to?" Do I need to change that? Because I, I kind of struggle with that some. And this person said, no, because not everybody can do that. That's who you are. That's your style. Um, and that that has meant something to mm-hmm. me. Um, and I appreciate that. And um, and yet yet I do wrestle with that because, you know, I don't want to waste people's time. And if they walk away and don't understand anything I say, then, then I, I'm not communicating well. I was just going to say, I think that uh, you have you and Amy have found yourself in a congregation that uh, appreciates uh, your style, and that you've, in a sense, been afforded the luxury of, of of being of the opportunity to be completely honest with the congregation, uh, and and to speak your truth and not try to change your message somehow to accommodate the audience. Do you think that's a, a rare thing for clergy? I think it's a very rare thing. Um, I, I know from colleagues of mine and um, just being in the world of church that to have the kind of freedom we have to speak as we do um, is pretty rare. Um, I remember in the interview process with the, with the pastoral search committee here, um, I bet they use the phrase open pulpit a dozen times. We have an open pulpit. Nobody tells our pastor what he or she can and can't say from the pulpit. Um, and th- that's a that's a tradition in a, a kind of small segment of Baptist life. And that was very important to them. And I remember them saying, we want to be challenged in ele- theologically, intellectually, and socially. Um, and that's a rare thing for a congregation to tell the pastor, mm-hmm. I want you to challenge us socially, theologically, intellectually. But but when you're doing that, you, you do have to try to figure out, okay, how do we do that in a way that people can understand, can access what you're trying to trying to say? 
Right. And you, you, you talk at, at one point in the chapter about the difference between education and indoctrination. I talked about uh, indoctrination as basically telling you what you already believe. Uh, um, and I think I told the story when we were in seminary, we had uh, some family members, somebody was constantly coming through uh, and visiting. And uh, somebody uh, had, had visited and we were in Norton Hall. I can see where we were standing right now. Um, and this person said, it's great that y'all are here getting an education and, you know, learn. And, you know, you got to you got to give the professors what they want on their test. But, you know, don't re- let them really change what you believe. Um, and, and I just thought, what an odd thing to say. You know, you go off to school, but don't let the professors change what you already believe. Yeah. Well, why would you need to go to school to begin with then? Um, and so that idea of um, teaching what you already believe is indoctrination. And my whole experience of uh, secondary education, college, and this, this was the challenge I had at Furman University, and it continued at Southern Seminary, was being educated. Professors carefully opening my, um, my mind to new ideas um, and doing so in a way that was gracious and generous and giving me the chance to come slowly uh, to, to some new understandings. Um, but uh, I think there is an openness and an inquiry to education um, that is different from uh, a more dogmatic uh, indoctrination. Here are the things you need to believe, and you just kind of quote these back to me. Right. And education, as you, as you present it, requires some effort. Um, you mentioned this earlier. You described uh, finding spiritual truth as hard work. I wonder why that is. Why doesn't truth just shine down from above like a bright light and, and, and leave us enlightened? You know, if our heart is in the right place, why does it, the truth just kind of wash over us? Well, I, I, I don't know why it doesn't just wash <laughs> over us. I, well, I, I wish it did. You know, I, I, I do think that the that truth is just hard. And, you know, when we look at human history, we we, we see a we see a movement and, you know, things that um, one generation claimed as absolute truth. We look back on now and go, how in the world did they believe that? Mm-hmm. You know, the easiest one to see is slavery. You know, slavery was understood in this part of the world not all that long ago as ordained of God. This is this is nature and history, everything points to slavery being the way, you know, the moral way. When we look back on that truth, quote unquote, that truth, and just we're amazed that anybody could believe that. Um, But they believe that and preachers preach that and teachers taught that. And um, so truth is, is very difficult. We just have to always be open. um, I I do want to wrap up this section with uh, perhaps my favorite line from the chapter, um, which is, uh, I believe that ordinary church people are even smart enough to understand histor- historical critical methodology, dispensational premillennialism, and apocalyptic eschatology. And can I just say <laughs> that as a comms guy, that's the kind of thing that wakes me up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. <laughs> just... <laughs> I, I love. I, but, I, I appreciate you saying that, Bruce. And um, I think this congregation knows that I love to throw out some stuff like that. And sometimes that's just kind of tongue in cheek. Um, yes, I, I, definitely. I've had, it is. I've had some people um, 
criticize me about the language I use. I really don't think that the, the, the my, my basic vocabulary is all that hard. Um, uh, and, and sometimes when I use these words, I'm using them kind of playfully, and I always try to explain them. Um, but my point there is um, anything I learned in seminary, you're smart enough to hear in a, in, in a sermon. Um, anything Amy and I learned in seminary, our congregation is smart enough for us to talk to them about. That's all that means. And, and we, don't, we don't need to be afraid to talk about those issues. And I think in that part of the chapter, I think, Bruce, it came out of my telling an experience of a pastor who had said, oh, you can't ever be fully honest with all of your congregation. And I was just kind of appalled by that, just shocked by that. You know, Bruce, you're smart enough. Everybody in my congregation is smart enough for me to be honest with about theological issues. Um, and, and you know, you you don't have the same, you may not have the same interest. My congregation may not have the same interest that I do in, you know, theological dialogue. But uh, you're smart enough to understand any anything that I learned in school. Um, and, and, and I don't want to shy away from from tackling any issues um, out of some sense that, you know, you're not smart enough to figure that out, you know. And I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time today. We had another very honest conversation, which is uh, something I just uh, I very much enjoy spending time with you. So thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for your questions, Bruce. I always enjoy the dialogue. If you would like to learn more about obtaining a copy of Russ's book, Finding a New Way Home, you can find that information at the Park Road website, parkroadbaptist.org, under the Resources tab. We invite you to share the podcast with your family and friends. They can always find it at the Park Road website, or you can listen and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. That's it for this week. From all of us at Park Road Baptist Church, thank you for listening today. Grace and peace to you.